from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Truly appreciate you being a part of the show, and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have not become a member, the time to do so is now. So make sure you become a member of mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt because membership does have its privileges. Number one, it's free. Number two, you get to chat in the live chat room with me. And number three, you get emailed every single time the show goes live so you never miss a live broadcast again. And you are always part of the show. So make sure that you do that if you haven't done that yet. In the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York. In the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is my pleasure and my privilege and my honor to be sharing with you today the many guests that we're going to have live on the show. First and foremost, Bob Casulo, who's a longtime assistant coach, used to be at Syracuse, went throughout college football and the professional ranks as an assistant, and he's here with me today as we continue throughout the week the conversation on college football, and I'm very excited to have him here on the show. First and foremost, Bob, how are you doing this morning? How we doing, Dan? Doing very well. And, and Bob, to, to look at, uh, you and I have spoken about college football a lot. There's a lot of different topics that come up. And, and I had said to you to go in and first and foremost about the college football playoff because there's always a team or teams that are upset, that are left out, that want an explanation. How do you look at that? I mean, it, it, it's kind of always going to be that way no matter how big it is. But how do you take the college football playoff which said to the BCS, okay, you know what, BCS, you used to have two teams. We're not doing that anymore. You got to fight your way through these four teams. You got to win a couple games. Do you like the new system? Do you feel like it's flawed? Because, as I said, no matter what, people are going to complain. Well, it's 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 flawed. Let me let me just tell you this. And unless, until you get to sixteen team playoff, like the old NCAA basketball. Tournament, until you get to that, you got no chance. Let me let me say this to you. There's 126 Division One football teams, okay? And you're trying to pick four. And here's the irony of picking four. You have what they call five power conferences, okay, for four slots. Well, you don't have to be a genius to figure out the math that that don't work, okay? So first of all, you're always penalized in one conference every year. Secondly, this year and several other years, they've taken two teams from the same conference. So now you've got two conferences out of the five not in there. So, you, you know, I, I really think the whole system is comical. I think it's a joke. It's, it's, not, um, it's not favorable to college football. Now, when you present the problem, I always say have a solution. Well, here's a solution. You take the top 16 teams. Okay, you eliminate these conference championships 
you 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 play twelve games. Okay, everybody plays twelve games, and then you have your rankings. You have your top twenty-five teams or top. Then you take the top sixteen and you play. And let me give you an example. Okay, here's the final college football playoff rankings. Number one, Clemson would play number sixteen, Michigan State. That'd be a pretty good game. Yeah. Number two, number two, Oklahoma would play TCU, which they already have. Okay, so you could flip flop. But anyway, Georgia would play Notre Dame, which they already played. So flip-flop Notre Dame and TCU. So you would have Oklahoma play in Notre Dame, TCU play in Georgia. Those are pretty good games. Number four, Alabama would play Stanford. Number five, Ohio State would play UCF. Number six, Wisconsin would play Washington. Number seven, uh, Auburn would play Miami. Number eight, Southern Cal would play number nine, Penn State. Now of those games... How many would be double-digit favorites? Probably none. You know, <laughs> so you got yourself. And now you're playing, okay? You played your 12-game schedule, so that's eight games. So eight teams will be, or eight games. Uh, eight teams will be playing 13 games. The next week, okay, four. You, you go eight, four, two, one. So to win the whole championship, you got to play four more games. They do it in high school football here in Florida, Texas, California, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio. They do it everywhere. The FCS, you know, the 1AA, they do it. it. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And and what happens is now is when you have five so-called power conferences to pick four slots, it's, it's, it's not practical. And then you have these other six, okay? You have a team like UCF here. I think the best bowl game of them all right now is going to be UCF versus Auburn. Uh, I, I mean, w- w- what do you have to do to graduate from the gang of six, as they call it, to get into a Power Five tournament game? So far, nothing. You've gone twelve and zero, okay, and you can't get in. So that's not fair to them, and they're good teams. But what happens is, the, once again, like everything else, the media is dictating it. They want. They want the Alabamas, Ohio States. They want the look at the playoffs. I think they started in two thousand nine. Okay, how many teams have actually played in the Final Four? You know, so I think your answer is somewhere around seven, eight, or nine teams. <laughs> it's the yeah. same teams. Yeah, it's the same thing year after year after year after year. Regardless, it, you, you know, even if a team like UCF comes out, got no chance. Um, uh, you know, pick another team. Memphis maybe has a great year, or, or, or I don't know, somebody. But it's the same teams every year. So don't waste everybody's time. Just say, look, we only want these teams. That's all it's good. And, and look at Notre Dame. They go all the way down till they get their third loss. Teams are mentioning them into the Final Four. And they're not even in the league. So you got that to contend with. It's, it's flawed is being kind word. <laughs> to the system there you have it and that coming from bob casillo and bob you know there's there's been so many different conversations about this and i'm a proponent you know i I hear everybody out and hear everybody's opinion why you know four is four is good and four is this now i've spoken to the acc commissioner a lot about this john swafford and he said listen i like the four i don't think the four is going to change now he could say that because clemson 
is always included. So, you know, he can make that comment. But the American Athletic Conference commissioner, who's a good friend, uh, Mike Oresco, was on the show yesterday, and we've discussed this a lot as well. And he, he had spoken with me about the fact, he said, you know what, if it expanded, then, yeah, it would probably help us because the American is not given the respect it deserves. But he's like, you know, I, I don't know if I would want it to be bigger, even if it would help us. Now, on my side of it, I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying to myself, okay, because I had this conversation on the show yesterday, Clemson is going to be in and Alabama is going to be in. And I'm going to start with this because I'm going to kind of break it down into pieces. The first thought here, and I want to get what you think about this. I said on the show yesterday, Clemson and Alabama will always be in because they're the darlings of the college football playoff, if they have one loss or less, if they're whatever and one, irregardless if they win their conference championship, if they're whatever and one or whatever and oh, I feel like Clemson and Alabama are kind of secured in this thing as long as they prevent themselves from having two losses moving forward. What are your thoughts on that, on the, on the notion that they kind of have a leg up on everybody? Well, yeah, but they're not alone. I mean... Look at Ohio State. Ohio State gets in last year without winning their conference championship, and Ohio State has two losses this year, and they, they everybody says they should have been in. You know, so you can add Ohio State. But let me tell you something, Dan. You're on the right track, okay? But you're you're only talking about two teams, and you should be talking about a half dozen, and one of the half dozen is Notre Dame. Yeah. The media just dies for Notre Dame. Yeah. They ain't that good. They're, they're, they don't deserve, they're not that good. Now, there may be a point in time where they will, but how do you put them in? What Power 5 conference do you eliminate if Notre Dame is 11-1 and or 12-0? and you got to put them in there because they're Notre Dame. So let's say this. For example, let's just take this year, okay? you got Georgia and Alabama and Oklahoma and Clemson. Well, let's say Notre Dame gets in instead of Oklahoma. Now, three of the Power Five conferences don't get into the playoff. It, you, you use the term flawed. I use the term joke. It, it's a joke. It really is. It, it's a media-run thing that, you know, and they say, well, the people want to see it. No, 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 no. The people want to see the best foot. You watch this UCF team, yeah. okay? And now, obviously, I'm down here, so we get to see them all the time. Yeah. Now, you watch, and people say, well, they don't play defense. Really? Have hmm. you watched Oklahoma? Yeah. Have you have you watched Oklahoma? If Oklahoma gets into the final game ex, a, against obviously either Alabama or Clemson, I'm going to tell you what the over under might be a hundred, and that still might not be enough because their philosophy is we're going to outscore you to win. I mean, how many times have they scored fifty points this year and won by ten points or less? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I mean, so don't talk to me about defense, although I'm a proponent of. Defense wins championships, okay, Alabama, Clemson, okay, but how about their game last year, the final game? What was it, 38-35, something like that? So college football is you have to outscore your opponent. You know, so put 16 teams in, and you don't think the fans would be excited with that? I mean, and go back to your ACC commissioner, Swafford, okay? Yeah. If it was, if it's four teams, he's guaranteed to get one because he's got Clemson, Florida State, and Miami in his league. Okay, if you go to eight teams, he's guaranteed to get two, which he would have had this year with Clemson and Miami. 
And if he goes to 16 teams in a normal year, he's going to get three because Florida State for 30 years in a row has right. been in the top 15, top 10. So if you go to 16, so he doesn't lose no matter what happens. So interviewing him, in my opinion, okay, mm-hmm. is is flawed to use your term because it don't matter if it's four, eight, or 16, he's going to get one, two, or three teams in every year, guaranteed. You know, and uh, it's, so anyway, it's a flawed system. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, I'm a proponent for it getting bigger in the sense of I want to see people. I mean, the thing is, I never liked the BCS because the BCS was extremely and utterly flawed. There was favoritism to the nth degree. There was no sense in watching anything at the end of the day. And then people that are sitting on the committee, oh, the computer picked it. The computer saw it. We were just going by the numbers. Which is total BS. But with but with this, you know, I look at a few different things. I say if you're going to leave it at four and there's a power five and then there's a group of five outside of that and the American Athletic is making an argument for a power six, then first of all, like you said, somebody's always going to be left out if there's four spots for five, potentially six, if there's a power six and in covering the American Athletic Conference since its institution and for four years now, of the American Athletic being alive, UCF, USF, covering those teams, covering Houston, covering Navy in a normal year, covering Memphis. Memphis has only lost two games this year. Both of them have been to UCF. UCF has not lost a game. So it's very, very hard for me to live in a world where if the Power Five are the only, and this is my next comment here, my next topic, if the Power Five are the only teams that are ever going to get into the college football playoff, then why not have the Power Five have a playoff? Make make Division One A, move Division One Double A to Division One Triple A, and then in Division One Double A, let the group of five play. Because if UCF and USF and Memphis and so on and so forth, if they're never going to get a shot, never going to get respect, and the committee's not going to look at twelve and zero and give a damn about it, then why? have the system the way it is because if a team that's the only undefeated team out of 130 is not going to play with the right to win a national championship, then obviously this system doesn't work for everybody. Well, let, let, me, let me say this to you, Dan. It, it all comes down to money. It's all money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and let's take, we, we use Syracuse for an example. Okay. All right. You read about Syracuse all the time and it's been this way for years. I know I coached there and it's factual. The goal for Syracuse is to get into a bowl game. Okay? Yeah. That, you, you know, Coach Baber said that, Coach Schaefer, go all the way back to Pasqualoni and, and, and Coach Mack when we were there before. Your goal is always to get into a bowl game. Well, if that is really your goal, then why are you in the ACC? Because yeah. let me just give you some of the teams that are in bowl games. North Texas, Troy, Western Kentucky, Georgia State. Uh, Marshall, Arkansas State, Middle Tennessee, Florida Atlantic, Akron, Louisiana Tech, Florida International, on and on and on and on. Okay? Yeah. There. So basically what you're saying is those teams have accomplished their goal. You see what I'm saying? Now here's a team, SU, Pittsburgh, UConn, Rutgers, they're not in bowl games. Okay? 
Yeah. North Carolina. Well, let me throw them out. I'm just going to do Eastern teams. SU, UConn, Pitt, Rutgers are not in bowls. Well, if you get there on the podium every year before the season starts and you say your goal is to get to a bowl game, why are you in the ACC? Because the chances are there's okay, there's 14 teams in the ACC and there's only four teams not in a bowl game and you're one of them. So if you want to get to a bowl game, why don't you go in the AAC? Right. You know, why don't you go into the MAC if that's your goal? It's not your goal. Your goal is to get as much money from the conference as you could get to cover up for your inefficiencies. That's what your goal is. But nobody's going to say that, okay, because you're not going to have a program. You're not going to get kids to come to your program. If you say, look, we're in the ACC, we know we're bottom feeders, you know, or we're in the Big Ten, we know we're bottom feeders, or we're in the SEC, we know we're bottom feeders, but we don't care. We just want the money so we can run our programs off other people's success. That's really what it is, right? Well, and that's, you know, and that's a great unfortunate, and I've said that pretty clearly and pretty simply from year to year, is that inside of the ACC, in the Atlantic Division alone, Syracuse has to go past Florida State and Clemson as well as Louisville. Now, Wake Forest believed in their coach Dave Clawson when he came in and said this is going to take some time. They bought into the system. It took some time. They have reaped the benefits of having a Wake Forest team in the top three of the Atlantic this year. Boston College at Steve Adazio, who obviously used to be at Syracuse, and, and in my opinion, Syracuse missed the boat on this guy because I have been around him at Temple. I've been around him at BC. I have spent many times talking to him, weekly teleconference. I love getting his thoughts on, and he just said to me about Central New York, the last teleconference we had, he said, Central New York, I love the high school football talent there. I love the area. I love the kids. And nobody recruits Central and Upstate New York in football better than Boston College, but they have Steve Adazio and Paul Pascaloni. So, you know, you when you look at the Atlantic, you say, NC State's gotten better, almost won the division this year. Wake Forest, it, it, NC State would have been in the ACC championship game if they had defeated Clemson in their head-to-head matchup, which came down to one touchdown and a guy dropping the ball on the goal line. So, NC State, Wake Forest, Boston College have all gotten better. Louisville has gotten better. And then the usual suspects of Clemson and Florida State are there. There's no place for error in the Atlantic. And the Coastal isn't looking any better because Virginia Tech's back on it with my guy Justin Fuente. Miami's doing good under Mark Rick despite how they finished the season. I said going into the year Georgia Tech would be in the top three again, and they made it there. Pittsburgh has gotten better. Virginia went from obscurity to a bowl game this year. Duke's going to a bowl game after having a haphazard year. And North Carolina is going through figuring out their quarterback and their running back situation because they don't really play defense. They looked to outscore you. So they struggled this year, but all those guys come back next year with experience. So for a team like Syracuse, if it was me, I would have preferred, and I'm not, and and listen, I cover both conferences very heavily, so it's no disrespect to anybody. I'm just stating an obvious fact. I would have preferred to play East Carolina, Cincinnati, Connecticut, Temple well more than having to face a better NC State, a better Wake Forest, a better Boston College, a good Florida State, a great Clemson, and a Louisville. Well, you know, as you were talking, I was just making these notes off of the uh, bowl things, okay? Former Eastern Syracuse opponents that Syracuse used to play year in and year out. Okay, yeah. here they are. Temple, 
Army, West Virginia, BC, Navy, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, and then when UConn came into existence, you can add UConn to that list, okay? And Syracuse, so that's 12 teams. Those are all former Eastern SU opponents that Syracuse used to play all the time. Of those opponents, all these teams are currently in a bowl. Temple, Army, West Virginia, BC, Navy, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and Penn State. They're all in a bowl, okay? Not in a bowl is Syracuse, UConn, Rutgers, and Pittsburgh, okay? So, but my point is, there's a geographical league that is very competitive, that is equal, pretty much equal. You're never, and again, this is hypothetical because you're never going to get Penn State to do this, okay? But if you were to have a Northeast Regional League or the old ECAC League, which you might be too young to remember, okay? But you put all these teams in the league, now you got something. Now you can recruit. You got it. You know, you don't have to go into any game and say, really, we can't win that game. Because every one of those teams, Temple, Army, West Virginia, BC, Navy, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Penn State, UConn, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, every one of those teams, Syracuse beat, and some of it was they never lost to. You know, (laughs) others were on a regular basis and others were on an occasional basis. But my point is, that's good football. That's good football and it gives you a chance to get to a big-time bowl game like it happened in the past. Okay, but here, here's here, – forget about Syracuse. There, How many teams are like Syracuse as opposed to like Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State? My point is there's 126 Division One teams. And if you sit down in a bar, in a church, in a club, and you write down how many of those 126 teams actually have a chance – to go to the Final Four and win in the national championship, I'll, if you get to eight, you're doing better than me. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there ain't that many. Believe me. there ain't. That. Every once in a while, you're going to get a lucky team to sneak in there like at UCF. But in reality, the reason there's always Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, etc., you know, in those half a dozen teams that are in there, because it's the same teams every year. Because they're the best teams every year. So what 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 are we talking about here? <laughs> you, know, you got 126 teams, and I promise you, there's 118 of them that have no chance of ever, ever, ever getting into the Final Four. Now you can you can argue with me on that. Anybody can argue with me on that, and I'm just telling you, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. Well, and that's and, and that's you know what it comes down to is the criteria and who gets chosen, why they get chosen, like we have both agreed, Alabama with one loss or no loss is going to be in. Clemson with one loss or no loss is going to be in. So if you say that, if we say that, there's only a potential for, let's say, eight teams to get into the final four, or they go to an 18 playoff, okay? The other 118 teams, what their goal now becomes is exactly the goal that everybody preaches about getting to a bowl game. You see what I'm saying? So, so now it's practical when you get up at the podium as a head coach at all these other schools and say, our goal is to get into a bowl game, you know, maybe win our conference, 
have a winning record, get into a bowl game, now it becomes practical. Because other than that, winning the conference, you you got you got little if any chance. Yeah, and that, and the the thing the thing is when we look at where we're standing right now, we look at you know, like you said, I'm for expansion because I want to see. Because the thing is, Auburn may be the best three-loss team in the country because I think they could beat anybody right now, and you're not going to get in with three losses. I would like to see the only undefeated team in the country, UCF, because this is this is the thing to me. If they're that bad, they suck that much, their schedule was terrible, Scott Frost is a piece of garbage, then A, why is he getting paid $5 million to go to Nebraska and get them out of the basement? B, why are they 12-0? C, they fought off a lot of people at the end of things. And, and D, I mean, you look at Mackenzie Milton, put him up on the stage with anybody. Mackenzie Milton set a bunch of records in the final game. I was on site at the UCF Memphis game covering the game. And he tied the record for most touchdowns of the season with 31. He ended the game well. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go one more, Dan. Go back, I think, four years or five years, okay, to the Fiesta Bowl. Baylor yeah. was arguing that they didn't get into the playoffs. They were 11-1. and one. In the Fiesta Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Fiesta Bowl, they played UCF. Last I saw, UCF kicked the dog out of them. Yeah. In a game that everybody said that UCF didn't deserve to play. Didn't deserve, didn't belong. Baylor was going to kill them. Baylor belonged in the Final Four. Yada, yada, yada. UCF beat them like an ugly stepchild. It was awful. I mean, it, it was awful for Baylor. It was great for everybody else. You know what I mean? So, there's... But, but how quickly TV forgets, they don't want that. They don't want that. They, they don't want UCF beating an 11-1 Power 5 team. They don't want that. That throws all their ratings off. You know what I mean? So, like, if you put UCF in this year and they play Clemson and they beat Clemson, oh, my God, I think ESPN would just lock the doors and go home <laughs> and say, we're done. We can't We can't do this. Can't do this. So it's it, it, to use your term, it's a flawed system. To use my term, it's a joke. Because you know, ultimately, speaking here with Bob Casulo, longtime assistant coach in the College of Professional Ranks, it, it, it's it, it is, and, and you brought it up. It's it's about it's about saving face. It's about keeping face. It's about what's right here and what's it's it's not so much who the best teams are. It's just what situation works best for us. Money-wise, Alabama talks. Money-wise, Clemson talks. Money-wise, you know, Georgia right now is talking. Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma are talking. Ohio State is talking. Money-wise, Auburn is is attractive. It's all, it's all money. You know. I just want to see the best teams play against each other. And, and this is my easiest, this is the easiest way to say who UCF is. It's the easiest way. Now, like you said, they learned a few years ago that if they were going to threaten UCF, they got punched back in the mouth a little bit. But I asked them, I and, 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 and that guy Blake Bortles is 8-4, and four, I'm just saying. But I, I look at the fact, uh, and George O'Leary did the unimaginable for a two-year span, and his last year, like we had discussed on yesterday's show, he was the AD and doing all these things, and he got to a point where, you know, he just kind of checked out and said, okay, this is enough for me. But in yep. no yep. stretch of the imagination was George O'Leary ever a bad coach, no, in, in never, my opinion. Never. I worked for a guy. I worked with him. 
not only was he not a bad coach, he was a very good coach. And I mean, you know, we went to Georgia Tech in 1995, took over a 1-10 program, and four years later we were 10-2 and two and beat Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. So he's, he, <laughs> let me tell you something, he's far from a bad coach. He's really a very, very good coach. And you're right, at UCF, they, they overloaded him. They overloaded him, you know, and now, um, you know, they got Scott Frost and now they're going to move on. You know, one other thing that I think, you know, needs to be addressed, Dan, is all these football teams now in bowl games without coaches. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so here's, you know, what kind of dilemma is this? UCF right now, I'm reading it this morning and yesterday and every day, you know, they're trying to work out a deal so Scott Frost can coach the team. Well, yesterday they announced that all the assistant coaches – all but two of the assistant coaches are at Nebraska. They got hired at Nebraska. They all want to come back and coach it. Wow. We, we've got ourselves a dilemma here, folks. You know? And, and it's not only them. I mean, there, there's teams that are in bowl games without coaches. They just yeah. don't have coaches. You know, they, for whatever reason, they've left for another job or they've been fired. I mean, Texas A&M. You know, is, is, is Jimbo Fisher going to coach them? Who's going to coach Florida State? You got no coaches. I mean, it's it's you, you talk about flawed. <laughs> How about that for flawed? You know. Well, and that's and that's a thing, and, and that's you know, and that's a discussion that that comes out of all of this is in the world that we live in today. You know, not only can you talk to a coach while they're coaching another team, not only can you try and figure out this backdoor deal, but being down at Central Florida at Spectrum Stadium. I will tell you that for as long as I've covered sports, which is over a baker's dozen amount of years professionally, my stomach, thinking about it right now, is turning. In the sense of being inside of the stadium, watching the UCF Memphis game, two coaches I respect the heck out of, two programs that have come so far, and seeing Mike Norvell in two years at Memphis continue what Justin Fuente was doing, which is keep the team trending up, and then see Scott Frost and going, oh, and from... 0-12 0-12 team that he inherited to 12-0. Nobody's ever done it in FBS history. And I'm watching both of these guys with really attractive teams, really attractive opportunities on offense, just, just go at it, double overtime, thrilling game. No game was better. You can maybe argue Ohio State and Wisconsin, but I knew the Big Ten wasn't getting in, in my opinion. So it was like I watched it, I listened to it, but I didn't think much of it. I'm watching these two teams battle and go at it. It's a great, phenomenal game. I'm writing my story. I'm pumped. This is great for the American. It was a great showcase on television. People demand respect. Look at how good Scott Frost is. And while this game is going on, Nebraska fans, oh, we got Scott. Look at Scotty. He wore a red shirt to the game. We love him. Yada, yada. The AD is allegedly running his mouth on on Nebraska side. During the game, they're talking about, I read a report during the game that the Nebraska AD is saying, you know, to the recruits, don't worry, he's coming, we're excited. And they don't even let the game be played. They don't let him coach his players. They don't let him talk to his players. And at the end of the game, I go down to the postgame press conference. I speak to Scott Frost. He's got tears in his eyes. He's, he's pink in the face. And you know he's leaving. And less than an hour later, I'm sitting in the press box and UCF's media relations come over to us and say, hey, if anybody would like to go downstairs at 6 p.m., the athletics director, Danny White, is going to speak. I saw the team hoist the trophy. I spoke to the team. I spoke to Frost. 
And less than an hour later, we were holding a press conference in the same building, in the same room to say he's gone. It's like marrying a woman and then she gets hit by a car 15 minutes later. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're right. But here, here's one other point I'd like to bring up. Memphis, okay, who obviously I've, we've seen play down here on TV quite a bit. And their only two losses are to UCF. Okay. Now, Central Florida is playing Auburn. I think that's great. Yeah. Why doesn't Memphis State? Why doesn't Memphis? Oh boy, that was deja vu. Memphis State used to be. <laughs> but why doesn't Memphis play Ohio State? How about that for a game? Yeah. You know, but Ohio State, I'm sure, probably got on the phone and said, "We ain't playing Memphis." So they're playing USC, which is another good bowl game in the Cotton Bowl. So Memphis is relegated to the Liberty Bowl to play Iowa State. An up and coming program, a good, you know, they, they made their bones this year. But really, is that fair to Memphis? Hey, come here, Ohio State, play us, play us. You you want to shoot your mouth off? Play us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Ohio State, I'm sure, nixed that. They said, "There's no way we're gonna play them. No way." So, it's a flawed system, buddy. Yeah. And it, what it, else it, you got on the <laughs> Well, what else is on your mind? I'll open the floor to you. What's what's besides what we've discussed so far? I mean, I'm usually the one saying, let's go here, let's go there. What's on your mind? Well, you want to stay in college football or you want to go to the pros? Wherever you want to go, I'm, I'm ready. I have supplanted myself inside of the gridiron, whether it be college or football, so you tell me. Well, if you go to the NFL, which I love to talk about because the NFL used to be, you know, uh, Pete Rozelle in the old days, his goal was to have everybody be 8-8. Eight because he, he was big on parity. I think the pro football playoffs this year are going to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, you look at the NFC, okay? Right now, you got Philadelphia, New Orleans, Carolina, Minnesota, L.A. Rams, Seattle, with Atlanta one game back. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. That is awesome. And then in the AFC, you got New England and Pittsburgh, you got Tennessee, Jacksonville, Baltimore right now. And unfortunately, you got to have a schleppo from the West come out, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, and if the Chargers keep playing well, everybody's pulling for them because then you would get a nice a, a team on a roll. I, I mean, these NFL players, they got it right, boys and girls. They got it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to have 12 teams, and it's going to be a bloodbath out there. The way That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, so, I mean, the, my, my next point is this, and this is what I was leading up to. The quality of the NFL playoffs is phenomenal. However, however, the middle-of-the-road teams are few and far between. You're either playoff caliber very good or you're very bad. For example, you know, you're looking at teams like Indianapolis, right now Houston, Cleveland, Denver. Uh, Washington, the New York Giants, Tampa Bay, Chicago Bears, Arizona, San Francisco. Unfortunately, there's 12 playoff teams in each in each league. There's also 12 bad teams in each league. You know, so what what happened to parity? You know, Pete Rozelle's probably rolling over in his grave. You know, and 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 that's a shame. I mean, that's a shame because you know you got. About six, no, you got five, six, and six teams. Well, they can go either way, but I promise you, you look at the schedule the rest of the year like I do, 
They're going down. They ain't going up. So what I'm saying is there's 32, there's 32 NFL teams, okay? You're going to have 12 good playoff teams. You're going to have 12 bad playoff, bad teams. And you're going to have five or six teams in the middle of the road. So I think the NFL has got to work better on organizations to, get, to tighten that race up a little bit. You, you, you know what I'm saying? I think they've got to get a little better and then stop all this crap about not standing up for the national national anthem, you know, fights. Right now, the owner of the Houston Texans is 100% correct, okay? The inmates are running the asylum. His mistake was he used the term prison. And I coached in the NFL, and these players have a lot of pride, okay? And when he changed asylum to prison, that's when the red light went on. Okay, if he had just said the statement the way it was meant to be said, you can't let the inmates run the asylum. I don't think there would have been that big a backlash. But as soon as you substitute the word prison, okay, the connotation is we all know it's the elephant in the room, okay, and that was the wrong choice of words. But when you look at these NFL football games, and one of the announcers finally said it, and then Gruden last night he reiterated it. It's out of control. It's out of control. The, the, the players are totally out of control right now, and there needs to be there needs to be something done to get the game back to the game of football. I mean, you look. Did you see the game last night? The penalties in that game. And I'm not talking about offsides, you know, and holding. I'm talking about personal fouls. Like, how about Gronkowski? Are you kidding me? If you reverse that, if that kid from the Bills did that to Gronkowski, he'd have been suspended for the year. I promise you. Okay? I promise you. And, you know, the star power in the league is is the NFL owners right now, they're, they're searching for things. they got to keep players in the game. you got to keep the players playing because right now, we're, we're losing. We're losing fans. We're, they're not losing money. They're never going to lose money. But they're losing... Uh, draw you know what i mean they're losing popularity and and but the way the game is going it's almost like a wwf out there it's crazy you look at those two guys last week from denver and oakland you look at gronkowski you look at this these linebacker uh perfect and these guys that, that are supposedly questionable players but if you put a stop to that you know it's going to stop. The players aren't stupid. The players know, oh boy, we're not going to get away with that crap anymore. Well, guess what? You don't force them to stand for the national anthem. And I know it's un-American to say this, okay? I know it's un-American. Understand this. I don't disagree with what the players are trying to get across. I don't disagree with that at all. I disagree with how they're doing it. Well, and, and, the, thing, and the thing is, is that the Jacksonville... Jacksonville did this way in the beginning uh, when they were in Baltimore or when they were in London facing Baltimore. They shot Khan, the the owner of the team, had come down to the fields and he went over to the captains and he locked arms with the captains and some people stood and some people knelt, but they all were with each other. And I'll never forget the picture of A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Colvin where some of the guys were standing and some of them were kneeling, but they had they still were locking arms or had their hand on the guy's back or something like that. So it was whatever you want to do, however you want to do this, I'm here for you. 
After that happened, Shad Khan put out an email to all of us in coverage of the Jaguars. And it was a beautifully written email, a statement about what he wanted and what he desired from the team in a time where things had started to really unfold in a big way in the first four weeks of the season. And he said, he said, we will do this from here on out. He said, before the national anthem, we will kneel as a team saying that we do not support police brutality, that we are not for this, and that we know that there are problems in this country. We will kneel as one to state before the national anthem, this is not okay. Then, out of respect for the flag and the country and those that have fought and the veterans we appreciate and care about, and you know Jacksonville is a big part of that, we will stand during the national anthem arm in arm. And so he and and he made it clear. He said, "We will kneel before to make our statement. We will stand during to respect, and we will do these both things together from this moment forward." And I thought that it was the perfect marriage because this was never about the flag. It was never about the national anthem. It was about police brutality. It was about things that are wrong in this country. It's about the fact that I have friends that get in cars, that drive down streets, that don't feel safe in Syracuse, New York, in Tampa, Florida, in wherever, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And what it's really come down to in this world is that there are things from the Civil War to now that have never changed, minds that have never changed, mentality, the way that people go about their business, conduct their business, and treat other people has been hidden, and for some odd reason it came out and shook its face recently, and and the fact that players are saying enough is enough, this is ridiculous, I'm not dealing with this anymore, I support it, I appreciate it, I understand it, and with that being said, I am the guy that says, yes, do it before or do it after, but don't do it during because if it was never about the flag, then don't make it about the flag now. And just because people misinterpreted it, don't spit on the flag because of the facts. Everything got jumbled and then it became about the flag. And then it's like, well, let's talk about the flag and let's talk about slavery. It got bigger than it was supposed to get. And it should have been separated with, I respect this country, I appreciate this country, I'm not happy with the history of this country in certain cases, and I'm not happy with things that are going on right now. Find the happy marriage between the two. And like Floyd Little said to me on the show, and I respect him for this, he said, Dan, my family is a military family, and I'm an African-American man. He said, if I want to make a change, I'm playing football on Sunday, and on Monday or Tuesday, I'm putting my feet on the steps of the police department. And I appreciated that he said something like that. Yeah, and you, I, I agree with everything you've said. And, and the most important thing is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars did what all the owners should have done. Behind closed doors, you meet with your team, you meet with your staff, you meet with the administration, and you express yourself to them because the one thing players like is to be treated like men. And what he did was he treated them like men. He, you're 100% correct. And he said, look, guys, everything you just said, okay? And if all the if the owner from the Houston Texans, instead of saying that to the media, if he would have went behind closed doors and addressed the issue with the players and said, look, guys, you know, we, we don't want, you know, we, we, we can't have anarchy here. We, we've got to, uh, this is my team. I respect what you're saying and doing. Let's come to an agreement on how we're going to do this. 
The players would have loved that. They would have respected that, and they would have they would have they would have come about and and compromised. So you're 100. percent The guy I I know working for Al Davis for the, for the Oakland Raiders, and there was no more uh, uh, singular uh, owner, powerful owner than Al Davis. But I'm going to tell you something. He would come into my office, ask my opinion. He would go into the players, and he would ask. He would call the players up to his office and ask them their opinion on anything. And obviously, this this wasn't an issue when he was alive. But the man had a pulse for the locker room. He had a pulse for the organization. That's what's lacking, in my opinion. That's why this thing has snowballed, and and now nobody knows how to turn back the clock. You know, you can't do it. So, anyways. We're on the same thought process. We're on the same page. And hopefully all this stuff can get straightened out. But my original point was the NFL is going to be dynamic in the month of January. And I can't wait till that. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, Bob, before I let you go here, that to look at what the NFL is, is doing with this season. I mean, you look at the game yesterday. Most people that shut the game off in the third quarter, Pittsburgh surged back. You woke up this morning, you saw 23-20, to 20, and you're like, what in Sam Hell just happened? This yep. team has gutted it out. And for everybody that said Ben Roethlisberger should have retired, he looks tired, he looks done, this guy's not putting up numbers, New England has been biting and chasing the heels of the Steelers. And every single moment that the Patriots think they got first place, because we all know once they take it, they're running with it, Pittsburgh has slapped them and said, get back down there, it's not time for you. And then Tennessee, to do what Tennessee has done, what the Jaguars have done, two eight-win teams that head-to-head Tennessee has to win over Jacksonville. But how crazy is this and how amazing is this is that both of these teams, if they win, they lose, whatever it is, if they have the same record at the end of the season, then that final game on New Year's Eve will decide the division. And for the AFC South that has been nothing for a long time except for Houston beating up on a bunch of little kids and having no opportunity. I mean, Houston won the division in the AFC South for the last few years because there was nothing to fight. Andrew Luck was good in his first year, first, second year, then people figured him out. Tennessee had nothing to offer. Jacksonville had had the wheels fall off numerous times under Gus Bradley. So this is a year where Tennessee and Jacksonville are making it fun. They can make New Year's Eve an amazing... They could bring those fireworks before the fireworks happen when the ball drops at midnight. Baltimore... With all their injuries and all the players who na- whose names you didn't know before the season started, they're seven and five, and they can thank teams like Buffalo for just losing control. The Chargers, everybody is like you said, the hope of the Chargers taking over because Kansas City started this thing like they were going to a Super Bowl, and they have since responded by doing nothing, almost virtually nothing, to fall all the way down to six and six to make this interesting with the Chargers, and maybe the fans will show up in L.A. if they get a home playoff game because for some odd reason, L.A.'s got better things to do. And then on the other side of it, Minnesota, Philadelphia, 10-2. and Minnesota doing it without Delvin Cook and without Sam Bradford. The Rams get Sean McVay. Him and I, I think, are the same age, early 30s here. They bring him in with the same talent that Jeff Fisher had who went to a Super Bowl, and he's 9-3. and 
The Saints are 9-3 after starting off the season 0-2. The Seahawks have battled back. The Carolina Panthers looked extremely ugly offensively at the beginning of the year. They're 8-4. Atlanta's knocking on the door. Detroit's not out of this thing, but they're in trouble. And then Green Bay at 6-6. People at this point thought that maybe they would have three wins, four wins. The entire playoffs is going to be fun because there's going to be the teams that start with L.A., with Minnesota, with potentially, if they keep doing what they're doing, both Tennessee and Jacksonville. And this is going to make the playoffs different, fun, exciting. It's not the usual suspects. And damn it, if nine years of covering the Jaguars hasn't led to this moment that I told everybody, give the team time to build and then watch them reap the benefits. This team has been building young talent and bringing in vets for a long time. And they did this one thing that affected one team in a really bad way and affected Jacksonville in a really good way. And it's this crazy little thing called Tom Coughlin. He leaves one building and the Giants fall apart. He goes to another one and all of a sudden the team's winning again and they're looking sharp and it's a tight ship. And Nate Hackett, the former OC of Syracuse and of the Bills, him and I had the discussion and he said, Dan, things are very tight around here now. And their GM, David Caldwell, I said, what's the one thing that changed with Tom Coughlin? He said, there's more khakis in the building. But Tom demands respect and look at what's happened to the Jacksonville Jaguars since he walked back in the door. Not to take away from the coaching staff, not to take away from the players. I'm just stating an obvious. The Giants organization fell apart and the Jaguars organization got built up and they made one drastic change between the two. And I mean, ultimately, this NFL season has been nothing but nothing short of crazy. And teams like the Denver Broncos, who are Super Bowl bound, aren't going anywhere. And the only thing that made sense this season, Bob, that we could have all said, is that the Browns haven't won a game. Let me say this to you, okay? And, and I concur with the Tom Coughlin thing. I said that back in the summer. The, the Tom Coughlin, who I know very well, he is the difference, and 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 he's going to make Doug Marone a better coach. He's going to make the Jacksonville Jaguars a better organization, and he's obviously already proven that. But let's get back to the success or lack of success of all the teams in the NFL. What is the one overriding factor for a success or not success? I'm going to answer the question for you. It's called coaching. Okay, Getting back to your original Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game, and you're extolling the virtues of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is correct, because Mike Tomlin has the foot on the pedal there. He's, and Kevin, um, uh, uh, Kevin Colbert, the GM, they have their foot on the pedal, okay? If I'm John Gruden, and I'll use Coach Gruden for an example, because I know him well, okay, if I'm going to get back into coaching in the NFL, the two teams that I want to go and coach with are the Dallas Cowboys or the Cincinnati Bengals. For the same reason Pittsburgh won that game last night, except in reverse, the Bengals lost that game. Pittsburgh won the game because of what you said. Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, the organization, they refused to lose. They refused to play second fiddle to the New England Patriots. I agree with you 100%. Well, why didn't Cincinnati win that game? Marvin Lewis... Good guy, good football coach, 15 years there, 
can't get them to the next level. Well, why can't that be right? You look at the talent that the Bengals had. They jumped they, for three, almost three and a half quarters. But for three quarters, they dominated that game. They couldn't close. That's the difference when coaching comes into play. That's the difference between winning coaches and losing coaches. Dallas Cowboys, say what you want about Jerry Jones. He gives you everything you need. Al Davis, give you every. When I was there, gave John Gruden everything he needed. We got to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, John wasn't with us. He went across the sidelines to Tampa. But the players and the organization and the philosophies were all in place. Okay, It's the organization, and now the pieces to the puzzle are in place. Go do it. The two best jobs coming up in the NFL, in my opinion, Dallas Cowboys, Cincinnati Bengals. Because you look at what good coaching does, and you mentioned the Rams. There's there's example A++. Jeff Fisher, he had two quarterbacks that he refused to play for whatever reason. I have my opinion. He's a defensive coach, and he didn't know the difference. Okay, He leaves... The one quarterback leaves, he has success on his team. And look at what Goff is doing. You pick a quarterback, number one in the draft, that kid's playing tomorrow. Yeah. You don't sit him on the bench. He's playing. Not only did he not play, Fisher criticized his mental capacity and his physical capacity. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. Give me the next guy that's going to work with this. I just invested $60 million in this kid, and he's not even active. Okay, that's a story for another day. But my point is, in the NFL, more than anywhere else, more than college football, because the more evenness in the NFL amongst the teams, coaching is a major, major factor. And the other factor is the front office. And you just gave, I was going to give you this example of Jacksonville with Tom Coughlin, and I was going to do the Giants versus the Jaguars, the difference being one person. One person, Tom Coughlin. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on. Tom Coughlin, it, it made all the difference in the world, positively for Jacksonville and negatively for the Giants. So, you know, as we end this thing, it's going to be a great December with college bowl games and an even better January with uh, NFL playoff games. And, you know, I remember both those days very well. Went to 11 bowls at college, and I went to 15 NFL playoff games. And the intensity is unbelievable. And it's a, it's what coaching is all about. So let's see what happens in the next two months, my friend. Yep, we got 38 bowl games, the college football playoff, and the NFL, obviously, in January. Got to get things rolling. Could Jacksonville finally have a playoff game for the first time in a long time? Could they hoist those colors again in the return of Tom Coughlin and look extremely smart in bringing the man home? Bob, as always, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the efforts. And, you know, I'm, I'm back and forth to Florida a lot. So one of these times we're going to have to link up and have a drink on a beach somewhere and, and worry about what everybody else is doing. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, buddy. All right, I'm man. here. I'll talk nice to you soon. To you. All right. See you. Take care. That coming from Bob Casulo, assistant coach, or a longtime assistant in the NFL, longtime assistant in college football and like he said been to plenty bowl games and been to the nfl playoffs and you know hey knows guys like the john gruden's of the world and the tom coughlin's of the world and was obviously here at syracuse for a little bit so he's got a lot of knowledge he's been to a lot of places 
and you get to grow as a coach, be it a head coach or an assistant coach or quality control, wherever the heck you are, you know, being around the country the way that he has from the East Coast to the West Coast and in between, you learn a lot of things. So big ups to Bob Castillo and a big thanks to Bob for being a part of today's broadcast. We just got a question in here. To that point, did anyone ever consider how much of a mess the season is for the NFL? Because it felt like there was a less a focus on football and more of a focus on everything else, players, politics. Absolutely. I think that people are inundated with everything that's going on that's not on the field right now. I feel like we have an overload of negativity in this country, okay? And <laughs> I really do. I think that we have an overload of negativity in this nation by far more than anything that I've probably ever experienced in my life. Now, people want to blame the president. They want to blame Hillary Clinton. They want to blame North Korea. They want to blame, you know, this and what. The fact of the matter is people are ornery, okay? And uh, it's a complacency of it because what's happened is our culture has become comfortable with negativity. Because, you know, we we misuse things that are supposed to connect us. And I've said this before and I'll say it a hundred million times. Social media was meant to be social, right? It was meant to connect. It was meant to bring together. It was meant to take a network of people that you have and make it bigger. You can reach out to your favorite comedian, your favorite actor, your favorite sports player, your favorite musician, and you can tell them, I love you. I love your music. I listened to your song when my mom passed away, and it helped me to sleep at night. It helped me to smile, and it helped me to remember her. That's what social media is for. But because, and I think the thing is, we feel so much hate right now because we see it, right? Racist people don't hide on social media. They just throw it out there because they don't think they're being racist because it's who they are, and it's what they're comfortable with, which is disgusting, but that's how they feel. Sexist people, they just go out and say things, right? With all this stuff going on. And this is the thing that really annoys me, right? Everybody's got an opinion. If a woman comes out 14 years after she was raped and says she was raped, what are some people saying right now? She's just trying to make money. She's just a stupid whore. Why does she have to open her mouth? What a little BITC you know. When in actuality, if this woman was literally raped, you're shaming a woman who had something delicate and special to her ripped from her. And if that was your mom or your sister or your wife I, or your daughter, I feel like you'd feel differently. Everybody has an opinion. And in the world of social media, we see it. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we weren't seeing these things 20 years ago because they didn't exist. We weren't around this. Well, I shouldn't say because they didn't exist. It, there was no social media. Okay. So if somebody was racist, they told all their friends in their house. Now they can tell everybody in the world, right? Something happens, somebody kneels during the national anthem, and all of a sudden, these people come out, and some people are like, hey, this disrespected the flag, I don't like this, and other people are going, da-da-da-da-da, black people. And then you look at that person and go, really? You were comfortable saying that? And they are, because people think the way that they think, but social media outs you. And with negativity, you can look up anything on social media and everybody has an opinion. I would, you know what? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you homework for today. Go on social media, look up any topic in the world and tell me that there's no negative comments about it. Right? 
God, I'm sure there's a negative comment. Jesus, probably a negative comment. The UCF coaching search, negative comment. Scott Frost, positive negative comments. There's a negative comment about everything, which is bred negativity, which is bred people being frustrated and tired of seeing it all. It's not that it never existed. It's that it was in people's homes, right? If you were a shut-in who hated the world, you talk to the people who knocked on your door. Now those shut-ins can sit on the computer all day long and tell everybody everything they hate and why. We have to change our culture. We have to change our country. Get to the root of why people are frustrated. Get to the root of why... People are sick and tired of certain things. Now, there's opinions back and forth about race. But I don't know any of my friends that recently today have been told they can't have a job because they're African-American. And that makes me happy. So speak to that positive. Am I for slavery? No. I'm not for slavery. I would have never been. If you're going to shoot me because of it, I guess you're going to shoot me. But I'm not for it. I'm not for slavery now, but I look at the here and now. I look at the world today. There are coaches that are African-American that are getting jobs. I'm writing a story currently right now that I want to release after the show about an African-American man who I think would be a great fit for a job of a team that I cover. So the thing is, the jobs, I'm not having people call me and say, Dan, I'm Hispanic, they wouldn't let me in the job. Dan, I'm African-American, they wouldn't let me in. Dan, I'm gay, they wouldn't let me in. I'm not hearing those conversations. Now, when I start hearing those conversations, now we have a problem. But I'm not hearing that stuff. People, you know, and, and that's the funny thing is, haters scream. Haters scream. And us normal people, we don't feel the need to scream. Right? I don't scream on this show. I don't come on this show... With this high eye. I don't do that stuff. I worked with a person who took on a persona where he felt like he needed to scream all the time. And I was like, why would people love to listen to that on the radio? Go, why would anybody want to hear that? You sound like a hyena on acid. Why would anybody want to be around that? And it's no offense to that person. I'm just stating, why would you take on a persona of something annoying where it's not about what you're saying. It's about the fact that people want to stab you in the throat so you stop speaking. That's not a that's not a job. That's not a profession. That's not a lifestyle. Be yourself. But this is the world that we are in today. The angry people scream. Us normal people, we don't. We go about our lives. But we're getting to that boiling point, and we've probably tipped over it, where us normal people, us good people are now speaking out because it's like having a baby cry and going, just give him time. He'll go to sleep. The baby screams for 10 minutes. Us normal people were quiet. 15 were quiet. 35 were quiet. 60 minutes were quiet. Two hours were quiet. The third hour you walk into the room and you say, Hey buddy, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. We are to the point where the crying baby is enough. It's more than enough. And that's it. And we're done. And that's where I am. I'm tired. I am tired of going on Facebook 
and seeing people comment about other people's babies and other people's lifestyles and other people's this and other people's that. I'll never forget what my buddy Evan said to me because I don't think of myself this way. I think of myself as somebody who works hard doing what I love to accomplish great things in life so I can I can enrich this world. The, the best gift that you can give me is someone coming up to me going, Dan, you made my life better because of this or that or whatever. That's, that's, that's my success. You know, if I work in, I would, I want to work in movies one day and have somebody go, Dan, I saw your movie and it made me cry and it made me think of my dad and I love you so much. Dan, I went and saw you and, you know, Dan, I I went and saw you and had the opportunity to go and see you on stage and you made me laugh. Thank you. I needed that today. Dan, I listened to your show and, you know, you had some really good points that made me stop and think and that was fun. Or I was listening to you on the way to work and you weren't screaming and you weren't yelling and you weren't hateful. It was just nice to listen to some normalcy. And those those are the moments that mean the world to you. When somebody comes out and plays game show night and they go, this was so much fun, I'm going to come back next week with my kids. Those things mean a lot to me. Because it's your time. When you give somebody your time, there's so much value in that, right? So that's why you can't give your time to hateful people and, and anger and, and all this stuff. I don't want, you know, it'd be great to go on Facebook in the morning and not see somebody go, your baby's ugly. Why are you with that girl? Just be yourself. The worst thing you can do in this world is be yourself. The best thing you can do in this world is be yourself. And I say that because it's the worst thing in the minds of the people that hate your success because they want you to quit so that they can feel better about their terrible existence that they've chosen to have. And it's the best thing you can do because it's the only way you're going to be successful. Understand that if you make money, if you do what you love, if you marry somebody who is good to you, these are all good things. If you live in a good house, if you have great kids or dogs, or cats, or birds, or whatever, salamanders, I don't know what you have in the house. If you got a good relationship with your mom, a good relationship with your dad, these are things that people get envious of. It's crazy, but it's true. And we just got the message from Ectocores. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. He said, what's the rule for commenting on coaches being fired? Oh, because of Ben too. But, you know... You can, and, and I'm happy you bring that up, EctoCores, because here's the thing. A lot of people are frustrated with Ben McAdoo. Now, people would have loved this man if, if the opposite happened and Tom Coughlin left and this guy was a friggin' boy genius. But the fact of the matter is people that like Ben McAdoo or dislike Ben McAdoo, 99% of you don't know Ben McAdoo, okay? You don't know who he is. He could be a great father, a great husband. He could be you know, the nicest person in the world, he could give half of his salary to charity. You you know nothing about him. He could pray to God every single day, get down on his knees and appreciate the life that he has. Nobody, <clears throat> nobody commenting on social media about Ben McAdoo knows Ben McAdoo, more, more than likely. Okay. So what what's the rules for commenting on a coach firing? Respectfully, right? Ben McAdoo didn't make sense as the head coach of the team. I never thought that Ben McAdoo I didn't know who he was. So I was like, you know, this move doesn't make sense to me. I don't like it. But I never personally attacked him. I didn't think that he was going to be there long. I didn't think that they were going to be successful under him. 
That was my gut. But as a broadcaster, I can say, listen, look at the numbers, look at what they've done, look at what they haven't done. But I never have attacked Ben McAdoo. You've never heard me attack Ben McAdoo on the show. It's not who I am. And, you know, to the person who I mentioned that used to scream on the radio, I didn't mention their name because I don't want to personally attack them. I don't want to hurt them. Okay. Whether, irregardless of if they wanted to hurt me or be disrespectful to me, I don't want to hurt this person. Now, this, now they told me to take on a persona on the show. And I know that. Ecto Core said, I never said you attacked him. No, I, I understand that. This is not a defense of myself. And that's another thing in this world. We all feel like we have to defend ourselves, right? Everybody's got to defend yourself. I love my, when I say that I love my wife and we have a good marriage, I get strange looks from people. And then I'm like, no, 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 don't, you know? And then I have to be like, no, we're different from everybody else. And they're like, mm-hmm, sure. It's like everybody knows a secret you don't know. Maybe, just maybe, I found a good woman. Maybe, just maybe, she found a good man. Maybe, just maybe, we work together. And maybe, just maybe, you should shut up and mind your own business. So, maybe, just maybe. And, and that's, you know, because the fact of the matter is, in, in the Ben McAdoo situation, getting back to that, if you have an opinion and you don't like somebody coaching, you don't come out and say, I hope Ben McAdoo kills himself or he's ugly or I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole or it looks like he has Down syndrome. Those type of things that people say are so hateful and so disgusting. And if you go anywhere with Down syndrome, I'm not talking to you. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> trust me. Trust do. That's been connected to my life my whole life. And I love, 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 love. There was a house for intellectually handicapped, intellectually disabled, however you want to politically correctly say the words. There was a house right down the road from me. Some of the nicest people in the world. One of the greatest gifts God gave me is at 32 years old, I was in Wegmans with my wife. And, oh no, I'm sorry. I was with, I was with, um, my sister, Kate's sister, I call her my sister. And we were in Wegmans and we were shopping. And I think it was right before Thanksgiving. And I went down an aisle. And one of the guys from the house that I that, that was down the road from me growing up, he was there. And I haven't seen this guy in over a decade. I mean, I didn't know if he was alive or not. And he didn't look at me. I saw him. I don't think he saw me. And I just remember standing there going thank you. You know, I was like, God, yes. Thank you. So much. like you just, you put tears in my eyes in Wegmans and nobody knows why except for me, but it was such a sweet, wonderful early Christmas gift that this man is still alive and still doing well. And it just meant the world to me. It meant the world to me that whatever ailments he has in his life have not stopped him. And he's here today. Like I remember him when I was I don't know, eight, 10 years old, and I'm 32 now. So, you know, that that was a phenomenal gift that was given to me. So, you know, there's a way to handle being upset about things. And if you don't like a coach, there's a way to handle that. You could joke about it, but you never personally attack, you know, and I think, and I think that that's the thing. So no apologies needed, Ecto course. So he's like, man, I'm sorry. I was like, I don't, I don't think that, you know, you're good. You're good. No worries. So, uh, what I'm bringing up is because I haven't, I've never attacked Ben. I've never attacked anybody on this show ever. I have, I have said that I'm not fond of certain things, but never once have I personally attacked somebody cause that would make me a hypocrite. And then there'd be no point in me speaking. So 
And that's one thing I don't like more than most things is a hypocrite. When somebody tells you not to smoke and they're lighting up right in front of you, please go somewhere else. Nobody wants to hear you talk. So, it's a, but you know, with Ben McAdoo, there, there is so much anger, right? So I'm using him as an example. There's so much anger, but there's a way to handle that. You know, you don't think he was the right coach. Well, you look at the record and okay, it didn't work out. So we move forward and things will be okay. But you don't have to attack him as a human being. You don't have to attack what he's about and what he does. And, you know, these women that are coming forward and saying that they've been attacked. Hopefully none of them are doing this for anything other than the truth. But it's not your right to decide what that is. You know, you could read the facts, do this, that, and the other thing, but you cannot go on the internet and tell Jane Smith from California that you know personally that she wasn't raped. You can't do that stuff. And that's the thing. Social media spreads hate because we can see it. So we think that it's everywhere and we think there's so much of it, which is creating more of it. The notion that hate is bigger than it is, is making it bigger than it is. So spread love, focus on that stuff, and get off the internet. For a few hours a day and talk to your family. You would be surprised if you put your phone in your pocket and you walked around central and upstate New York how much good you can find in a simple day. It may be a tree. It may be a bird. It may be a star. It may be the sky. It might be a rainbow. It might be your favorite sandwich. But do it for yourself. We'll take a step aside. We're coming back with Enrico Mastriani from my alma mater, Marywood University, in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream, fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady. Com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. 
How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. We are back here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. These are very important moments for me because Marywood University is my alma mater. MU Courtside was my first child in this industry, and there's good people inside of Marywood University that are working very diligently every single day to be successful, not just in wins and losses, but in making this university a special place to go to so that other students, not just myself, can look back at Marywood fondly and say, I'm really happy I made that decision. And yeah, I made some good decisions in my life and some not so good decisions in my life, but we can put this one in the pile of good decisions. Enrico Mastriani is one of those people. He's the head coach of Marywood's men's basketball program. And I told him I was going to do this because I have to. So his name is Enrico and I like Drake. So it just made me think of this song so i proudly play this very short snippet just because i feel like i need to so with that being said you might just get hit with a rico on today's show and rico mastriani is on the broadcast and i can say for sure that he's never had drake introduce him before how you doing today never never thanks dan i'm doing well how are you I'm doing very well, and and you just came off a, a victory here recently. The team is four and two. The team last year had five wins in the entire season, and so obviously the change we've been talking about the change, the positive change, the turning point. We got to build the foundation. We got to do things the right way, and once we get there, we're gonna charge forward and we're gonna be successful. You stayed the course. You believed in it. You asked other people to believe in it, and now, and I know we're only six games in. But you went through adversity in the first two, and here you stand today, and things seem better from the outside looking in. How do they feel from the inside looking out? Yeah, it feels great. There's definitely, uh, as we've talked about, a different vibe in the locker room on the court. You know, practice is is more intense, more focused. Um, You know, we, as a staff, we're always worried about what the pulse of the team is and and how the guys are pregame or or pre-practice or in practice are locked in. You know, with these guys, they've been re- really hard to read because they're they're pretty even keel. You know, they don't get too high or too low. They're they're always ready to work. They they come in every day prepared and focused. And the energy has been very positive. And you know, it's it's been a blessing to coach these guys so far this year. And I hope we can keep it going. And to look at you know this opportunity that you have right now, you and I were speaking off the air about the fact that you know you have you have a little break, a, a little opportunity to. 
you know, gather yourself and move forward. You know, coaches discuss scheduling and you and I have spoken about scheduling very recently here on sometimes it helps you. Sometimes it hurts you. If you're winning, you want to keep going. If you're losing, maybe you want to take a break, this and that. But how do you look at it? You have two weeks exactly between Karen and, and Penn College. You have 14 days. The team's four and two. You have two weeks to prepare for the up to, upcoming Crosstown Challenge hosted by Lycoming. So what do you think about the fact of, of this scheduling opportunity? Is four and two and two weeks to get ready for the tournament? Is this is this a good thing for you? And if it's not, how do you make it a good thing? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, uh, you know, we a lot of things, as I told you before, we don't have control a lot of times over the schedule. This was one we did have control over. And uh, I planned it kind of based around finals. I wanted the guys to be able to gear up for that, focus on academics, be able to, you know, get a little bit of rest. I mean, the early part of our schedule was very, uh, very demanding. You know, I think at one point in seven days we had played four games. And, you know, it wears on your body, it wears on your legs a little bit and on your mind. And when they have to get ready to finish the semester academically, we want to make sure that that's what they're focused on and not worried about basketball. We're still going to practice. You know, we're going to take a few days here and there. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll go on three days off two, on three, something like that. But, you know, just give them a chance to, to rest up, regenerate their, their health and, you know, whatever lingering uh, injuries we may or may not have. And, and just really, again, come back with a new sense of urgency, new focus on what the next step is. And as you mentioned at Penn College on December 16th, that's, that's what we're focused on. And to, to look at this team so far through these first six games, you know, we've discussed the fact that you win one more game and you have the record from last year, the psyche of the team, because the mentality of it all, you and I discuss this all the time. <clears throat> you can know the playbook, you can play good defense, you could be a good shooter, you could be in the gym and be in the weight room and do what you got to do. But at the end of the day, your mind either works for you or you work for your mind. What can you say about the psyche of the team right now? I think it's great. I, I, again, I want to reference our leadership. I think our veterans have really uh, taken that step forward. Our, our upperclassmen have taken that step forward now to prepare themselves for what's to come and lead by example and demonstrate to the younger guys this is what we need to be ready for coming forward. And we keep trying to keep it in perspective for them. I mean, our two losses, you know, while they sting, you know, you don't ever want to lose, obviously, but, but we have to be we have to be reasonable about what we did and the teams that we lost to two of the top three teams in the conference who are, you know, beating teams regularly. And, and I mean, we, we played them both tough. So I think we're going to be okay. And, and that's really the main goal is just when you're getting closer to conference play again in January, February, being focused and ready to play those games that are more meaningful late in the season. Not that everyone doesn't count the same. It does, but the conference play we know is the main thing for us. And, and to look at that, speaking here with Enrico Mastriani, the Marywood men's basketball head coach, to look at the fact that, you know, in conference play, you were 0-2 before playing Karen, and you were able to get that victory to give you that first conference win. Like you said, it all comes down, you know, number one, most importantly, is conference. Keystone is at the top. Gwen and Mercy, Cabrini, Newman, you had taken those losses to Gwen and Mercy and Newman, and then Rosemont right above you, but now the win over Karen puts you above them in the conference. So just what you could say about, you know, not only getting the four wins so far in six games, but that those two losses that you had have been conference losses. So to get that first conference win and to, you know, get over that hump in the CSAC right now. 
Right. Yeah, we're confident. I mean, we're confident going into every game, every matchup. We feel good about it. Our, our scouting reports, our preparation have been great. Um, the guys are prepared. We know that. They know that. Uh, it's just a matter of getting that, that first win, like you said. And, and we had a nice seat, you know, size of a lead against Karen. I think it was up to 19 points at one point in the first half. And, you know, we let them get a little bit closer and back into it late in the game in the second half. There's some things we have to fix. You know, we know that. But at the same time, they're a pretty good team. I mean, they've uh, they've won a lot of games now, too, and just won again last night on a buzzer shot. I mean, they're, you know, every every team in our league is pretty tough, and, and it's going to be a struggle. I've told the guys this. There's not going to be any game this year that we're going to roll through and just win easy. We're going to have to earn every victory, and I don't think they would want it any other way. I mean, we... You know, we take some pride in finishing games and learning how to win, and that was something that the first two years we struggled with. So we're definitely seeing a, a noticeable improvement there. And to to see what the CSAC has been able to do in your time at Marywood especially, what can you say about the level of talent? Because when you're going through your conference play and you're going through these big-time games that obviously have implications for each team that's inside of it, if you win the conference, there's implications there. What can you say about the level of talent inside of the conference and how it challenges you? Well, it's an extremely talented league. I mean, you know, just athleticism alone. I mean, most of the schools in our league are from the Philadelphia region, and, and you know, a lot of that talent in that area is very fast and athletic. And, you know, our guys are up for the challenge. I mean, we, we understand that in order for us to win some of those games, we have to play a little bit differently and we have to have a different kind of focus. Uh, but, you know, we're also recruiting better athletes too. And, and our freshman class this year has been, you know, a nice change for us and brought in an, a whole new wave of, of skill and athleticism. And I think that's making a, a major difference for us right now. So moving forward, we know what what to expect. We know how the talent in, in the conference is going to be top to bottom. It's competitive. We just have to answer the bell every day and, and go to work. I got to ask you this question because I, I know you and, and obviously I know Jason Leone and he's been on the show before. D3 up in the SUNYAC with Oswego. Do you ever have a thought of playing some of some of those teams of playing an Oswego or, or a Cortland or any of the schools in the SUNYAC? Does that ever come to mind in non-conference play? Yeah, it has actually. Jason and I talked uh, probably last summer. Uh, I think he had a, a tip-off tournament scheduled for next year. I had been looking for a game for this year still uh, at the time, and uh, must have been in the spring last year we spoke. And, and then uh, you know, I realized after the fact that I called him that it was for the following year, and I wasn't ready to schedule that yet. But uh, yeah, we've talked about it. We, Jason and I, obviously have coached against each other. He's at Keystone, and I was at Centenary at the time, and so. It's familiar, and uh, we're friends in the business. And you know, if, if there's an opportunity to to get up there or for him to come down, I'm sure we both welcome it. That coming from Enrico Mastriani, and Enrico, in closing here, the top bullet points that you've taken from the team so far. You're supposed to learn from losses, which you have two, but a good team, a great team, learns from their wins, which currently you have four. What can you say you've learned from the team this year? Well, the the bounce back mentality, uh, like you said, learn from your your wins and losses. I mean, in each of our losses, we've come back to win the next game, um, and that's that's important. Um, you know, I've learned that they have resiliency. Uh, we've been up and down in games. We've had battles in games. We've had foul trouble in games, and they keep fighting. Um, you know, that mentality of, of never quit. Uh, we implored, uh, you know, new 
cornerstones, if you will, of success for our program this year. Um, and, and the guys are adhering to that and they're zoned in on it and focused on it. And, and I keep talking about, you know, don't let the noise interfere. Don't let the noise interfere, whether it's positive or negative. We know who we are inside this room. And as long as we stay focused and attentive to that, nobody should ever come between us. And, uh, and they've been focused on that. There hasn't been any wavering on that. So I, I think they're growing up. I think that's the main thing. That coming from Enrico Mastriani of the Marywood Pacers men's basketball team head coach as they move forward and they got a little bit of time before their next game on December 16th. Enrico, it's always a pleasure. And, you know, as a warning for everybody this season, they better watch out on the road or at home because they might just get hit with a Rico. That's all I'm going to have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right, I'll talk with you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care. That coming from Enrico Mastriani. And it's always good when you can make a Drake reference for somebody coming onto the show. We'll take a step aside here for a fast break. We're coming back. We're staying with Marywood, but we're coming back with women's basketball and Tara Machaco in just a minute. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing. With Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners. This is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a 
meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT here every single morning, Monday through Friday, weekly from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are inside of the morning menu of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, proudly presented by the Market Diner, 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, and... The Dance Tour special inside the Market Diner was voted top five sandwiches in Central New York because you're all amazing. So, with that being said, at this part of the morning menu for today's show, we're staying with Mary Wood, staying with my alma mater, and staying with a coach whose respect, I I mean, I've had respect for this coach for a very long time, and to know the type of person that she is and that she has been for her to fight for me to come back and speak to her student-athletes last year uh, was it was an absolute honor I could never you know the first keynote speech I ever got to make was to Marywood University so to say that Tara Machaco means something to me would be an understatement to say that she changed my life for a better for for the better would be you know not accurately saying how much she has done so if I'm going to bring her into the show I can't just say it's a Marywood women's basketball head coach I have to say that it, it's a woman who when I felt like nobody was seeing the work I was doing at Marywood, she was. And now, so many years later, she still does. So, you know, there's people in this in this world you just can't thank enough, and she's one of them. Tara, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for that, Dan. I appreciate that. Anytime. So, Tara, to, to look at, you know, college basketball and to look at where Marywood is at, I know that you spend a lot of time, as we've spoken about before and recently here, in, in building this program and improving this program and there's been the ebb and flow of that throughout the years and and more recently you've had a lot of success the team right now at one and four you know I just spoke with Enrico about learning from the winning side of things learning from the losing side of things what can you say about you know you start the season oh and four but most recently you get that victory and it's in conference against Karen the CSAC to build off of that and to bounce back, you know, teams that are 0-4 can be 0-12 very quickly. Your team was able to get a victory most recently. So what your thoughts are about turning that corner and, and what that game meant at this time in the season? You know, coming into the season, we, we weren't really sure what to expect. We only had five returners coming in. Um, and I think 
going into that that first game, um, we, we might have might have taken it a little lightly and not not really understood what it takes uh, having seven freshmen, what it takes to win at the college level, and then uh, bounce back. And I thought I thought the next three games we played really really hard. We played really good teams, um, so we knew we were kind of up against up against the Giants going into those those next three games. But we played really hard, and I think from each one of those games, we learned from it and we learned what what it takes to to play at the college level, what it takes to play in our conference, um, the, the physicality, uh, making sure that every possession you're taking care of the basketball. And I think coming into our game against Karen, uh, we, we did, we did a lot of things better, but there's still, there's still a lot of things that we have to work on. Uh, I was watching a game last night and I heard someone reference uh, that coach Knight was, was an outstanding coach in terms of every, every game, whether win or loss, he's still correcting the mistakes and uh, mistakes. And I think that's important that, yeah, you got your first victory and you need, you need to celebrate that, but you also need to continue to, to focus on those things that, that you need to work on to get better. And I think um, that's, that's what our focus is right now. We got the first one under our belt, but there's still a lot of work to do. What has being a coach for over a decade's time and, and to spend so much time at Marywood, what has, the years taught you about becoming better because like you said you know you celebrate a win but you have to learn from it what has your coaching history taught you honestly it's 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 been so different i think that and i think almost every coach you talk to whatever sport it would be uh, would talk about that the kids have changed um the, the way the way you have to coach them has changed and i think uh, we have to kind of evolve a little bit and, and make changes as coaches in terms of style and um, how we're dealing with kids on a daily basis. Um, so from an X's and O's standpoint, I mean, I, I've always been a very defensive-minded coach, and um, we preach defense, and I think this year it, it's taken us a lot longer to um, to kind of kind of build that identity of a defensive team. So I've had to make adjustments in how we approach every practice and we approach every game and how we approach scouts. And um, just, just, I think, as a coach, being adaptable to, to – to what you have in front of you has, has been has been tough for us this year, but it is, is something that every year uh, you 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 have to be able to make changes and in, in, to your personnel. And is one of the things adapting to, and I was speaking about it earlier on the show, is the world of social media. Speaking here with Tara Machaco, Marywood women's basketball head coach, and and Tara, when you look at the world of social media, I I said it that it's not so much that there's more hate in the world, but it's that people that were hiding out in their house and you would go and visit them and they would tell you everything they hate. Now they, they could, now they could type on a computer as they hide in the house. So there's a lot of love in this world and there's hate in this world, but it's all out there on social media. Everybody's got a comment about your baby, about the dress you're wearing, about everything, you know, so just what you can say about about social media and what that does for the world of sports and what it does for a coach when, you know, if a player is lying to you, you can find out right away. If somebody's misbehaving, you can find out. I mean, if you're recruiting, you can really discover the character of a person pretty rapidly without having to go there. I mean, just what you can say social media has done positively and, you know, also on the other side negatively for the world of sports. I think positively it 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 has promoted um, from our perspective at Marywood. I think it's really put us on the map a little bit with promoting our student athletes and, and getting our name out there and um, 
opening up people's eyes in different areas that maybe we've never really had student athletes come from. Um, I think that the negative side of it is just like you said, um, it's, it's people can hide behind their comments and freedom of speech and they could go on and they could say whatever they want to say, not knowing what, what situations are and not knowing, um, what, what's actually occurring, whether that be about, about athletes or be about anybody in general, like you had mentioned a comment about people's babies or, um, and they hide behind those comments. I, I've, I've personally removed myself from it all. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to see, see things written about my, myself or my program or um, whether that's positive or negative. I, I just completely remove myself from it because I do, I do think there's too much hate in the world um, that, that's out there and it's, it's just not worth, not worth stressing over. Um, so I, I think it's, it's just, it's really, really people being able to kind of say whatever they want to say and hide behind those comments. But this is kind of the generation that we have right now is everybody's a texting generation and a, and a commenting on, on Twitter or Facebook instead of having conversations face to face. That's the, that's what we deal with with this generation. So, speaking here with Tara Machaco, Marywood women's basketball head coach, and Tara, if, if you can allow me to go off the court for a second, sure. uh, there's because you and I we're big picture people, right? That's fair to say. Mm-hmm. And this this world, there's a lot that's come out with you know, be it Harvey Weinstein or Kevin Spacey, just all these all these people and they lose jobs and this, that, and the other. And there's, and there's a problem that I have. And I know that, you know, you have always been a strong person to me and a strong woman and somebody who, you know, if you wanted something, if you desired to win, if you desired to move forward, if you wanted to make something better, you did so. And you've been that beacon of hope. You know, there's times where showing up to MU courtside and dealing with 700 problems and all the stuff in the background and, you know, showing up there, people like you make it easier. So in the world we live in today, where a woman might come out 14 years after something happened and social media says she just wants money, she just wants attention, she just wants to be in a movie, you know, as as a as a strong person and a strong woman in this world, how do you look at things like that? Because I've heard women shame other women that there's no way in hell that they would know and they judge them on this where for me, you know, I can honestly, and I could say it openly on the show because I've said it before, I dated somebody who is a very violent person and it took me a year, over a year, to admit to myself that I, there were times where I was a victim of domestic violence because I was like, I can't say, I'm a man, I can't say that. I, I mean, it doesn't make, domestic violence doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't count if you're a guy. And, and, you know, I had to come to terms with the fact that, that, that was, that was a stigma that society had created where a man can't say, no, this is wrong. And now we're living in a society that says a woman has a statute of limitations on when she can tell her story. so I just, you know, as somebody who I respect, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I I think, um, you, you have to believe in who you are as a person and you have to, you have to believe in your values and your morals and, um, and you have to preach what you believe in and, and not just, not just, um, you have to walk the walk, I guess, and not just talk the talk. And, and I think that's important. And I, and me personally, I, I, I believe in what I do and I know that I do things the right way and that, um, every, everything that I do is with regards to, to my job is, is to, to make, make the program better and to put us in a, in a position to, be a successful team and to make sure that I'm teaching the right life lessons and life values. 
you're always going to have doubters and you're always going to have people that are going to have have their opinions and their comments about what you're doing and what you're trying to do, but they're not there on a daily basis. They don't, they don't see the ups and downs. They don't see, see the work that you're putting in behind the scenes. So I think you just have, you just have to believe in what you're doing. And if you do believe in yourself and believe, believe that you're doing it the right way. my dad always said he, he was a coach for 35 years. He's, he's, he's an assistant boys coach now. And he always said, do it the right way. And if you're doing it the right way, you 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 could believe in what you're doing, and you know you're doing things the right way, and you're no. Um, people can say what they want to say, and I and I think I think it's important that you you just and, and everyone's entitled to their opinions, and, and and you kind of kind of just keep going about your business, knowing what you're doing, and, and believing in what you're doing. And I I'm sorry that you went through something like that, Dan. That's that's a terrible terrible thing to have gone through. Yeah, um, and, and I, I think the hardest thing made you a stronger person as well. It did. You know, and I think, you know, and I'm, I'm that person, I guess, you know, I jokingly say I'm that crazy person, but in all honesty, you have a choice when you go through things in life. And, you know, I'm, I'm not ignorant to the fact that you and I, everybody, you know, listening, everybody's been through something. And when you go through stuff, you know, I told myself years ago when I was really, really down and depressed and sad. And I said, Dan, you have a choice. You can let the world anger you, make you hate, change the loving, wonderful person that God made you to be, or you can take these terrible situations and you can find laughter in them, find a way, because I've always, I've always joked around with people. I've always made people laugh my whole life. I said, you could stand up on a stage or get behind a mic and you could tell your story in a funny way that helps somebody somewhere that was crying five minutes ago to maybe laugh while they're crying. And then maybe someday the crying comes out of it. And now it's just laughing and they've been transitioned completely. And, you know, I think of the world we live in today, we need to laugh more, worry less. And like you said, we need to consider the people that are there day to day that know who we are and not the person that comments and we meet for five minutes on Facebook and then we never see again. You know, and I, I think that, you know, as we move forward and you look at, you know, accomplishments, it goes beyond wins and losses. So, you know, before we close here, I want to ask you, Tara, about, you know, what you what you've seen in your life and some of those coaches that you or some of those players, I should say, that that you've had in the past that have since become alumni and whatnot. You know, do you reach back to some of those stories? And if you're having a tough moment or having a tough day, are there people that have kind of given you that phone call, which I would venture to say there has been, that have said, Tara, thank you so much for what you've done? Yeah, you do. As a coach, though, it's it, that's that's far and few between, and we know that getting into getting into coaching, you can't make everybody happy. But there are there are those those kids that that really every once in a while reach out and say, Hey, thanks thanks for thanks for being tough on me, or thanks for thanks for teaching me about about this, it really helped me, helped me in my job, it helped me with my, my marriage, it helped me with whatever it might be, but um, at the time, no, nobody ever realizes realizes what a coach is trying to do, and um, I, I was there as a player, I, and there, there's there's times now where I go back and say, you know what, I, I may not have liked what my, what my coach was saying to me at this point, but but I understand now why they were doing it, and, um, and I think, I don't think that's appreciated enough, but we know that going into this profession. And being in this profession to look at, I know that, you know, you're a fan of, of basketball in general and, and you appreciate, you know, what's going on around the country as you coach your team and you do what you do. I know that day to day you're game planning and I know, and I know that 
the level of work that you do is substantial. But when you get a second to kind of just peek and look at some of the other places, obviously Connecticut comes up as the team that everybody focuses on and everything that Gino Ariema has done for the program and how he recruits and the type of people that he brings in. And Brianna Stewart, who came from Central New York and went to school at Cicero North Syracuse, who ended up going there and and doing everything that she did, a four-time champion. When you get a chance to kind of see what's going on around the world, do you have a favorite coach or favorite teams or, or somebody that you can kind of appreciate? Because as a broadcaster, I can say from my line of work, then I'm constantly working and I'm constantly doing something. But when I get five or 10 minutes or I'm in the car, I'll listen to Colin Coward. I like him. There's certain people that, you know, I just, I like to just sit back and listen to. So are there coaches out there that you like to kind of just watch, or even if it's a post-game press conference, you appreciate how they view the game? I I love, I absolutely love Tom Izzo. Um, The way, the way he runs his program, the way he X's and O's wise uh, different strategies he uses, but I want to go back to Gino for a second because I think that um, everybody also has a kind of a skewed view on Gino, and uh, everybody thinks he, he just gets the best players and he doesn't need to coach them. But what he does every year, getting all of those players to, to form a team and play play us together as they play, that's that's his doing. That's not that's not just bringing five really talented basketball players and throwing them out on the floor and saying, "Hey, go beat up on these teams." He finds a way to motivate every single one of those players and bring them together to all fight for the the one common goal. And that's a tough task as a coach, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I think everybody just on a year-to-year basis assumes that Connecticut has the best players, they're going to win, they go there just because of tradition. He doesn't have to do anything. I think he has a tougher job than a lot of other schools. And trying to trying to learn how to share the basketball, you can't you can't put more than one ball on the floor with those those five talented players. So I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for that, and I think I, re- I respect him as a coach for that. I appreciate that very much, so because I I do think that you know there are things with with Gino with any coach, and, and I love that you brought up Tom Izzo because the things I remember about Tom and and he was on my bucket list to interview and I got the opportunity to do it a couple NCAA tournaments ago. And the thing that I remember about him, I don't remember like sitting in there and all the questions he was asked. I remember him joking around with his players and I remember him opening up one of the folders and going, Hey, and like looking at the stats and commenting on one of the guys for something and just having like a playful banter back and forth and just appreciating the fact that there's a level of care that he has that, you know, people don't talk about, they just say, Oh, he wins this, or he recruited this. And they don't talk about the fact that, you know, he genuinely cares about people. And that goes a long way in the world of sports. Yeah, definitely. So that coming from Tara Machaco, Marywood women's basketball head coach, Tara, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I I don't have a Drake song to, to, to have you come off the show and, and Rico stole that one. So I have to do some research here, but as always, I, appreciate the time that you put in and the work that you do. And, you know, I, I owe a visit to Mary Wood, So when I find my way down there in the not too distant future, I'll make sure I give you a call. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Have a good day and I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. That coming once again from Tara Machaco, one of the best coaches, man, woman, women's basketball, men's basketball, I don't care. One of the best coaches. There's been over a thousand people on this show. And that is a good person, and and I appreciate her. I really do. 
And I, I feel, I feel like she wasn't given the credit she deserved when I was there. And I feel like sometimes she doesn't get it now, but does she deserve credit? Absolutely. Credit for good things, credit for hard work, credit for determination. Her team was so much fun to watch when I was there. And even in games they lost, they hung with it. They stuck in it. So, you know, I just want to give, and Tara, I mean, we're talking about a coach in the last couple of years that had like one loss, won the, won the conference, won the CSAC. So, you know, this, this is somebody who is over a decade remained very relevant in women's basketball, very relevant in the CSAC, very relevant for Marywood. So if you get a chance, go out and see one of her games, whether it's on the road or at home, show her some love because she works very, very hard. And so does Enrico. And I mean, why are they on the show? Not because of wins and losses, character, character puts you on the show. We'll take a step aside for a fast break and we will come back with plenty more from wake up calls. We wrap up the show with the ingredients to success. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalwear, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. 
their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is now time to wrap up Tuesday's shows like we always do it with the ingredients to success. I want to give a special thanks first and foremost to Bob Casulo, longtime collegiate and professional assistant in the sport of football. I want to give a special thanks to Marywood women's basketball head coach Tara Machaco and Marywood men's basketball head coach Enrico Mastriani. And here we are and here we go into the final part of a Tuesday show as I rhyme like Dr. Seuss. It is time for you and I to go inside of the ingredients to success proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company just like the ingredients in their sauce in their pizza in their Chicken Riggies in their Utica Greens in the Wake Up Call number one pick Chicken Riggy Pizza, which is in the window for you by the slice of the pie. Even if you're running over on lunch break, grab a slice right now at 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, right by Sweetheart Corners in the Mains Plaza. Utica Pizza Company is the place to be. And just like their ingredients, every single one of them is important to be in it. It is time to bring you the ingredients to success. And the topic today, coming off the conversation with Tara and with Enrico and with Bob, I could talk about a lot of things, okay? So I'm going to I'm gonna run the gamut. We're going to do a bunch of ingredients to success. The college football playoff, it's going to have to expand. Bob brought up a good point. There's five power of five conferences, right? The power of five, there's five. That's why it's called power five. It's not like the Pac-10 with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big Ten, blah, 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 blah. You know, the big, it's funny how the Big 12 doesn't have 12 in the Big 10 and yada, yada, and moving and moving forward, but the power of five is actually five. It should be six, power six, but it's a power five right now. A lot of things need to change. Ingredients to success for the college football playoff, expansion. You have to. This is not greed. This is not money. This is about, for once, and you know on this show, I don't say things for greed or money because money is, is 81st on my list of important things. And I, I could probably think of more than 80. So, yeah, you need people like, you need money to live, Dan. You have to buy food and you have to have shelter. Right, you do. But love, passion, music, mental positivity. What else can I say? Uh, appreciation, respect, dignity, comedy. There's so many things that I put above money. Okay, there's a lot of things that I put above money. So, this is not a money thing. Ingredients to success for the college football playoff. Expansion. Why? Because the Power 5 conferences should have one representative at least bare minimum because you can argue them every single year. Number 2, because outside of the Power of 5, there should be a room, there should be an avenue for the American Athletic Conference and other conferences out there. So, make it 8. Make it 8. And that doesn't mean 
that you can take eight power five power five teams. It it opens the door for a team like UCF because you can't argue that UCF is not in the top eight. Okay, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's wrong. So you want to improve the college football playoff? Then if Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and whatnot are going to be your usual suspects, it opens the door for Penn State. It opens the door for Miami. It opens the door for North Carolina or for uh, Notre Dame. It opens the door from Central Florida, and it would have made it a better college football playoff this year. Not that it's going to be bad. I'm just saying Auburn, three-loss team, dangerous. I wouldn't want to play Auburn right now. So the college football playoff, ingredients to success, expand it so that each of the Power Five conferences can have somebody in, and dare I say the Power Six can in the American Athletic Conference because the American Athletic is more than earned the right to be in there, and there's other teams that we can argue every single year. Now, I know that if you make it, 30 teams that there's going to be a 31st team that's going to argue. If you make it 12, there's going to be a 13th. If you have four, there's going to be a fifth and a sixth and a 10th and a whatever. But you want to include the, you want to improve the college football playoff, make it at least eight, because like Bob said, there's five in the power five. So each conference has a representative of the big 12, the PAC 12, the big 10, the ACC and the SEC, unless they absolutely suck that year. And then you, you open the door for Memphis and UCF because you have to. Because there's no good argument. Because you can go up and down the wall of who do they play and yada, 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 and BS, BS, BS. But the world of the Gonzagas in basketball and the Butlers in basketball and the George Mason, Masons in basketball and friggin' Syracuse, when they were a 10 seed, went to the Final Four most recently in 2016. So just understand, or 2000, pardon me. I'm, I'm, I'm going way too close. But, you know, no, it was 2016. So please understand something with me. I don't care about who you played when it comes down to what's fair is fair, right? You can argue who some, well, I shouldn't say I don't care about who you played. That's not, that's not the right way for me to word it. I care about who you played, but when an entire conference is disrespected, then give them a different playoff. Have the college football playoff one and the college football playoff two and have the winner play each other. Have Clemson. And, you know, have a college football playoff with Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama, and then have one with Ohio State and Auburn and UCF and, I don't know, maybe USC. Have four and four, the winner that comes out of both, they play each other for the ultimate championship. I don't care how you do it, but the world of UCF doesn't deserve to be there is absolute BS. It's wrong. The last time they said UCF didn't deserve to be there, they annihilated Baylor. They embarrassed Baylor. And the last time I checked, UCF had a quarterback that went to the NFL that was drafted in the top three. I'm just saying. And they're eight and four. I'm just saying. So with that being said, another ingredients to success piece here with Utica Pizza Company. Ingredients to success in general in life outside of the college football playoff. You know, I talk to a lot of people and the conversations off the air and on the air, they're all meaningful to me. And I respect a lot of people. So the ingredients to success in your life for the conversations I've had recently and unfortunately are to not let, and I say this all the time on the show, but maybe I have to say it every day because I need to hear it. And maybe you do too. We have to change our mindset. We have to change our mindset because stupid people, okay, if you're ignorant, and you're disrespectful, who cares about your opinion? If you're hateful and you spread hate rhetoric rhetoric, and you're not a nice person, who cares about what you have to say? 
I can think, if I think who hates or who's said something rude to me, there's certain people that always come top of mind. They shouldn't. It should all be together in a giant pile. I should crumble it up, throw it in the garbage, and move on with my life. Because you only, you give value to somebody's hate when you respond to it. Don't respond. Like Tara said, she's like, I'm not on social media. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. I'm not a part of it. And I don't want it to come down to that for everybody. But I understand. And as much as I use, because I'm an internet show, of course I use social media more than I ever would. And sometimes I feel like I use it too much. I feel like I have to do too much on it. But at the end of the day, when I break away from it, and I'm walking around Walt Disney World, and I'm looking at the sun, and I'm, you know, people are like, you go to Disney by yourself? Do you feel, I mean, I was like, yeah, I go to Disney. Why the heck wouldn't I go to Disney? Well, you're by yourself. You can't enjoy it. I absolutely can enjoy it. You don't have to be with somebody to enjoy your life. That that creates codependency. You don't have to seek the approval of everybody to do something or else you would never accomplish anything. So the ingredients to success in your life is be a good person. You know the difference. You go deep into your heart. You know the truth. Be a good person. And Ectocores just said it's a great experience to be there solo at Disney. But be a good person. Respect yourself. Respect others. Don't care about what other people think of you. Care about what you think of yourself. Be good to yourself. Know that you have something to offer this world. Do not put the weight of your life in the hands of somebody else. Do not put the cost and the value of who you are in somebody else's hands. Do not wait for somebody to hand you money to determine your worth. Don't wait for someone to give you a job to determine your worth. Don't wait to find a significant other to determine your worth. Don't wait to have a stack of things that you can't bring with you to heaven that are material goods to determine your worth. Don't wait for Twitter followers and Facebook likes to determine your worth. You determine your worth. You do. Only you. You and God. God's already decided that you're worth it or he wouldn't wake you up this morning. You determine your worth from there. You determine it. If you're going to be on social media, I use it for business. If I didn't have a business and I didn't have an internet show and I wasn't growing my company, trust do, I wouldn't be on social media. I would probably very sparingly just wish people a happy birthday and try and catch up with people who I haven't seen in a while. That's what I would do. When people say, well, I have 2,000 friends. No, you don't. You probably have four or three or one or none or 70. I don't know, but it's not 2,000. You may have people that respect you and appreciate you, but you have to really value the life that you have. And I will tell you that going to Disney by myself and walking around or eating dinner with my wife, or laying on the couch with my dog, or going shopping with my mom, or putting together something with my dad. Those are the moments in my life that mean more to me than anything else. And that's no disrespect to anybody that follows me on any of the social media outlets. But you would be crazy to think that a comment that you send to me on Twitter means more to me than my mother telling me that she's proud of me. So just focus on the stuff that matters. Those are the ingredients to success. The other ingredient to success for college football is stop calling coaches when they're coaching. I know that your team needs to win, but the team that they're on needs to win right now. And it's selfish and it's wrong. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like what it does to recruits. I don't like what it does to people during games. You know, uh, whatever Scott Frost said at halftime to his team must have helped. 
because in the first half of the game they came out charging and it was like somebody out it was like somebody on the sidelines found out that Frost was going to Nebraska and told all of the his guys on the team and everybody just stopped playing. It literally felt like that. It felt like they caught wind of it. Somebody went up to coach, coach said something, they went and told other players and then all of a sudden the team didn't want to play. So I am totally against contacting a coach while the season is going on. You can say whatever you want to say about whatever. But Nebraska, okay, you sucked this year. You had a bad year. You can't wait two weeks, three weeks. Well, Dan, no recruiting comes on. Well, that's that's not our problem. That's your problem. That's not UCF's problem. That's your problem. Now you've created a problem for UCF. You had the problem with recruiting, so then you take Scott Frost. Now UCF has a problem with recruiting. To take from somebody else and put them in the position that you hate being in is wrong. So the ingredients to success for college football, NCAA, please do something right in the current history. There's a lot of wrong that's been done in the NCAA, and I'm sure there's a lot of good. But NCAA, I'm asking you to make a rule that no coach can be contacted until after the season. And then, and that depends on how a team's doing. If a team's doing really well, well, then you're just going to have to wait or hire somebody else. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to deal with it and figure it out. If a team plays until January, tough noogies. If they play until December or November, okay, if you wanted Dino Babers, you could call him at the end of November couple years from now, maybe you can't call them until December 25th. Oh, well, deal with it. But the ingredients to success for college football is that no coach should ever be contacted before their season is over. Let them finish the book they're reading before they start another one. Let them finish their sentence before you interrupt them. Just have some common courtesy for your fellow man and understand that if you don't, then there's this funny thing that happens in the world where if you do something to somebody that you wouldn't want done to you and you're not apologetic for it and you don't care and you don't repent and ask God for forgiveness for it, it will find you somewhere at some point in your life. Okay? Everybody potentially could commit sins out there. But it's about repentance. It's about it's about telling God you're sorry. And yeah, I'm going to say God. I'm going to say repent because that's what I believe in. If you don't like it, I don't really care. I'm not telling you you have to believe in God like some people, I'm telling you how I feel. And how I feel is simply this. If I do something wrong, I repent. If I looked up at God, flipped him the bird and said, I don't care, trust, trust that will find me. It may find me anyway. But if you spit into the wind and you're so happy it didn't hit you on that car ride, take another 40 car rides. Tell me how the spit feels when it spins back around. So people can learn from Nebraska and UCF's issue and everything that happened there. And I hope that they do learn from it as we move forward. Because the ingredients to success are to understand and respect the fact that you might be in a bad way, but another team may be in a good way. And if you're going to steal Scott Frost for the next seven years, can you at least let him have five more minutes with the team that he's currently on? And that's where it comes to a coach saying, I don't want to talk to you right now. Okay, I know it's hard to do. But the coach has to respect where they're at, and the institutions have to respect it. If there's no respect, then why even play the sport? And what are you teaching the kids in those situations? A coach should have to stay throughout the season and their bowl game, and then they move on from there. And if that affects recruiting, 
tough nuggies. They'll figure it out over the years. Just plan, plan ahead for that. Okay. Plan ahead, plan ahead because the coaching carousel is very unfortunate when you think about these kids. And I do think about these kids because I interview them all the time and I'm around them all the time. So yes, I do care about them very, very much so. And they do mean something to me. And it's not like some people were, oh, they get a free ride. Who cares about the kids? I care about the kids. Because they deserve better than trying to figure out who the hell is going to coach them in a bowl game. So those new, those things need to change. And I hope the NCAA will put some ingredients to success in place for college football in the future as we move forward. Because it's getting a little bit out of control. That is Ingredients to Success, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. The best ingredients you're going to find on a pizza. Utica Greens, Chicken Riggy, so on and so forth. There's so many good things at Utica Pizza Company. You can check them out on youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt and all the videos we've done with two guidos in the kitchen. You can also get the Wake Up Call number one pick, Chicken Riggy Pizza, any day of the week by going to 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, in the Mains Plaza across from Sweetheart Corners. Or you can call 315-214-3060 and have them come to you with catering or delivery or takeout, 315-214-3060. God bless you. Have a great day. I will be back with you after the Syracuse-UConn game tonight. I put a vote out on Twitter. If you have not voted in the poll, you need to follow me and do so right now. It's at CallDT, C-A-L-L-D-T. Go on to Twitter. Follow me on there. Vote in the poll. Right now, UConn is beating Syracuse in the poll of who you think is going to win the game. So make sure you go and vote as these two old rivals meet in an ACC versus AAC game. The two conferences I cover most closely will be on sites at the Madison Square Garden, the Mecca of basketball for the Jimmy V Classic tonight. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show and so much more. I cannot wait for tomorrow's broadcast. A lot coming up from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, so you will find me back here. Become a member on MixLR.com backslash DT and be ready for tomorrow's show. God bless you. Have a good day. Be good to one another. Oh, and we have this very quick fast break. I don't want to miss this. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315 315- That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 
487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I want to thank everybody for being a part of the show. See more from all my great partners in Central and Upstate New York. I call them partners, not sponsors, because we work together to bring good things to the community, no matter what it may be, on WakeUpCallDT.com. So check them all out there, and you can click on any of their logos to get more information about each and every single one of them on wakeupcalldt.com. So I truly appreciate them. I thank them so much for all that they've done. Carvel DeWitt, Dry Sig Apparel, Dry Sig Lady. Go to dreissiglady.com, drysigapparel.com as well. Giovanni's Tuxedos in North Syracuse, Informal Wear, The Market Diner, great suits at Giovanni's, by the way. The Market Diner, Penn and Trophy Center, Wildcat Sports Pub, Utica Pizza Company, Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar, FanHands.com, 315 Chiropractic, Looking Glass Events, LJ Papaleo of Gilbo Realty, Honda City of Liverpool, Sammy Malone's, and Lees and Staggerwald downtown in Syracuse. I appreciate you all, and I thank you so much for all that you do for the community. God bless and be well. I'll see you this December 7th at Muddy Waters this Thursday and every Thursday at 7 p.m. We're there playing game show night. It's something new and different to the community, so I cannot wait for the opportunity to share that with all of you this week. And we just got a question here. When will the interview with Tara be posted on your site? I'm sorry I missed it. It will be up today. On, I'm going to give everybody the information here. So if you follow me on Twitter or on Facebook, you'll be able to get the link for that. So I'm just sending this from Janazbo. I want to thank them for that. So it'll be up today on facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt. So like the page and follow me on Twitter at calldt. I will put the links there and you'll be able to listen to it. It'll also show up in the top 10 shows on wakeupcalldt.com, the most recent 10 shows that I've put onto the app, they play automatically and they're in a rotation. So if you just scroll down on wakeupcalldt.com under what's happening, you will see them right there. And it's got, it's literally right under what's happening. It's a listen, it says, listen in to the latest specials and episodes from Wake Up Call. And you can go through the most recent 10 shows that we've put up so you can listen there as well. And then you can download the app on the app store. So that'll go up later today. Make sure that you like the page at wake up call DT on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at call DT and on Instagram at wake up call underscore DT. Thank you to Janosbo for being a part of today's show and asking about the interview. It'll be up later on today and you will catch it on Facebook and Twitter. They'll direct links for that. God bless you all. Have a great day. And I can't wait to talk to you at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Talk with you here on MixLR.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Stay positive, stay wonderful, and stay yourself. I'll talk to you soon.